Hey, with, like I said, with me today is my good friend and consummate Bigfoot researcher, Mr. Shane Hardcore, of course. And Shane, I haven't called you Hardcore in a while, so I, <laughs> I missed it. I know, I, I know that you have. Uh, I miss it so bad. <laughs> no, but uh, I got a lot of respect for Tate, a guy that he reminds me of Mark Roussel and in the fact that he spent this time documenting and going out to this location. I mean, he's not only a guy in the film and, and whatnot, he's also an active BFRO researcher. And so he, he plays both ends of that, that card, and I really respect that. This whole finding the Patterson-Gimlin film site is very reminiscent of what Mark Marcel has done with the 1924 Fred Beck Ape Canyon miners attack incident. And I just got respect for both both of those guys. But it's really neat Tate's taking the time to do a film and document not just the area and whatnot in the, the story, but the people involved. I know he works closely with those uh, Bluff Creek guys. And uh, so a huge amount of respect for what he's doing and the amount of time and work he's put into this. I've gotten to see parts of his film and I just, it's well done. The guy's got a lot of talent. First of all, on Tate, you got to take that as a humongous compliment when we compare you to Mark Marcel because we've been out with Mark, and I, I consider Mark a great friend, and I think he's, I mean, the credit for people that document the history of the subject and, again, bringing acknowledgement yes. to the Bluff Creek Project is is important. I, you know, I don't think that, uh, I, they're not certainly ones who go out and toot their own horns, but it's the amount of work that went into this. Tate, I, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and tell folks, let's hear a little bit about Tate Hieronymus. First of all, I do want to clear something up, make sure that everybody who hasn't heard it before is that you were not the guy in the, the suit claimed that, uh, and you are not related to the person who claimed to be the actor in the suit who faked, who said they faked the Patterson-Gibbon film, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's the number one question I always get asked by people, especially the Bigfooter people. They're like, "Are you related to Bob Hieronymus?" I'm like, "No." I kind of make it's uh, last name is infamous, man. It, it haunts you in a way if you're in the Bigfoot world. That's for sure. So, how did you come to be interested in the subject of Bigfoot, and what's your background? Uh, mainly just uh, being. I know I grew up in a little rougher kind of. You know, I had a rough childhood, so I just took more on. I can't. I was like more inclined to like weird things and Bigfoots and aliens and stuff like that. I always found an interest in, and so I just kind of grew up wanting to learn more and more about it and the subject. And I liked what I was learning, and it just was fascinating, but at the same time, kind of scary, you know, to a kid that age. Um, oh no, I I can relate to so, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it'll yeah. Then you think, oh man, there's these eight people things walking in the woods and yeah it really got me interested you know and i grew up a jehovah's witness so i come at it with a different viewpoint than most researchers do and so i think that's another unique thing that i don't find in a lot of other big footers yeah what i mean what what is different about i mean as as being a jehovah's are you an active member of the church now or yeah and i have been okay. my whole life um, okay, so what? What? Yeah, what is that perspective that that's different? It's just you know, I'm very. I don't like 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 um, saying one person's wrong or nothing. It's just an opinion that I have. But at the same time, you know, I grew up knowing what angels and demons were, or spirits, or ghosts. What you know, what they really were. 
And I kind of just shy away from that because giving just what we believe and everything. And I come at it with the whole research on Bigfoot. I'm open-minded, but I'm still very skeptical and not, you know, about the whole ghost thing with Bigfoots and stuff like that. Well, that's refreshing. travel through portals. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Monster X Radio, Bigfoot without the BS. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. There's a a lot of it in the Bigfoot community, and I try my best to stay out of that. Well, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, we're already in kind of the lunatic fringe of society because we're we're looking for Bigfoot, you know, and then to – to go further and say Bigfoot is pilot of a UFO, blah, blah, blah. And I've had conversations with Christian friends. I'm a Christian myself that, you know, some of the things that have been presented as Bigfoot, that if that's Bigfoot, I like, I'm out of this because that moves into some other realms that as a Christian that I don't want to, you know, get into. That, that yeah, seems so you, like, yeah, you totally yeah. get it. Right. So, and that's just like, um, the whole Adam Davis, Matt Johnson, to me, max of something that is definitely not um, something I want to mess with. What that thing is, the only explanation, I don't think that's Bigfoot. I think that's something else. And that's and <laughs> the same. I just, you know, I was at the uh, International Bigfoot Conference. I did a joint podcast with Adam Davis. And before Fantastic, the conversation, by the way. Yeah, it was fun, and Adam's just a professional in all in all aspects, and uh, a guy I admire. But we were talking about that beforehand, and yeah, he's of the same opinion. He's not sure what he saw, but he doesn't think it's got anything to do with Bigfoot, and he's quite the opposite. I, you know, I I don't claim to personally know. I don't have answers for everything. I don't have answers, and I have no proof, and I'm not an expert in in that in any of that stuff. You no, know, I have my opinions, of course. But that's the sort of stuff you just can't prove. Uh, you just can't prove. I, I believe that Sasquatch is very provable, personally, just with my experiences. And you know what? I'm okay saying I could be wrong, but I, I don't think so, not at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how I feel, too, you know. I didn't get into Bigfoot research because of ghosts or UFOs. I got into Bigfoot research because of Bigfoot research. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The mystery of Bigfoot, yeah. I mean, the mystery of Bigfoot is is enough. <laughs> no, it's intriguing, too. And so I think that's, all, that's the reason why a lot of people do it, you know. And, uh, yeah, getting personal, I think a lot of reasons, too, I keep doing it is because, just you know, everybody deals with depression. And so I kind of use that to feel my uh, ambitious dreams to do this and get it done. And it's working out so far. <laughs> You know, which I like a lot. It really does. And, you know, I've been really blessed and I'm happy about it. And my family and friends are all supportive and that's cool. And I, you know, love them for that. Which is also a big help. The reason we're talking with you today, I mean, I I can sit and talk to people with my friends all day long. And and (laughs) my my question for you, let's, let's get into your documentary. For most people, even in the Bigfoot community, they may not be aware of the Bluff Creek Project and and the significance of that, and what got you interested? Why why this project? Oh no, like the whole the idea I think came about just well, like I was telling you, the very first the thing the the video that got me into Bigfoot, or there was the picture of the Patterson Gimble and Bigfoot Patty, and that film. But I've always been intrigued by that film, that picture, and it wasn't until we moved to California, I kind of you know was finding up and. Look, researching how to get there and stuff, and then I came across the Bluff Creek Project, and Stephen Strayford and those guys were actually 
the first people I ever met, you know, as far as people who actually go out and do it and look for Bigfoot and stuff. And so I got in contact with them and just made little trips up there. And I was filming like little couple minute short films with like the eight millimeter filter on it to make it look old. But, you know, I just, and this has been like years in the making of this film. And I was wanting to kind of just talking back and forth with those guys and asking them if they'd be okay if I did that. And they were down with it. And so a couple of times driving back up there two times a year, you know, got a lot of footage, got some good stuff and started putting it together. And it was actually a realistic, it came, it became more realistic at that point, And that's why I kept doing that. And they're such a small group that they need recognition. So what, I mean, which I think is important. You've been working on this for a while. We've talked to you in the past and, and, uh, I don't think that most of us that are lay people that have never done a documentary, you know, understand the effort and how big a project this really is. What's the journey been for you as far as I'm assuming that this is your first full on documentary? Yeah, this is. I mean, there's challenges. Like, this isn't going to. The, the funny thing is, it's not like professionally done with like nice cameras or anything like that. There's no like microphone packs that the people I'm interviewing are wearing to have that. What you hear is all natural audio pretty much. And it was all filmed from my iPhone (laughs) and edited on my iPhone. And that was about it. The reaction I'm getting from people is like, they really like it too, which I wasn't expecting, which is incredible. (laughs) I like the, the Blair Witch project. And and did you get Stephen Stroy for crying? I'm just kidding. No, I did not. <laughs> like, come on. I could, though. I, <laughs> I probably could, though. <laughs> no, that's what, you know, that, uh, you know, yeah, and like uh, we were talking before, I showed up the Bigfoot Bonanza in San Francisco, and that was the most nervous I've ever been because I've only showed like, you guys and my f- other friends and close family. But, uh, no, I it was lo- really I, cool. Actually, I'm looking forward to to it because I, I have, like you, this, you know, the Patterson-Gimlin film, is is iconic. It it had a huge influence on me as a kid. You know, it was piqued my interest on the subject that that I I had an interest in most things. You know, that were mysteries as a kid. But because of you know, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. So this was you know, this was our monster. This was our mystery out here. That and then I was born in '63. So the Patterson Gimlin film, you know, was floating around in my early years. So pretty cool yeah exactly and let's uh let's talk about the project and and who's involved and and how you put this thing together i mean i'm looking forward i understand that like people don't understand constraints that somebody who's trying to do this would face i mean without a huge you know budget and growing for, starting from you know doing it with your your iphone is uh still a substantial undertaking because and i'm sure it's full of its own challenges Oh, it definitely is. That's for sure. And that's the funny thing. After it showed in the at the Bigfoot Bonanza, Kai, you know, he's the guy that like runs the whole thing. I was like, hey, should I say it was selling on my iPhone? He's like, no, don't say that. And another guy, Seth, uh, was a small town from Small Town Monsters. He was kind of agreeing with you know Kai. And then after the film, I think Kai was actually impressed that it was shot with an iPhone, and he actually used to said it like he's like, oh, by the way, that was shot with an iPhone. <laughs> I was kind of laughing to myself about that. It's an undertaking well, for sure. 
it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, you don't have all this expensive equipment. And I actually, I got to see the rough draft. You sent it to me uh, right before the Bigfoot Bonanza in California earlier this year. Yeah. And I was, in, I was impressed with it because it, it looked, I mean, to me, it looked professionally done, even though it's a rough draft. What I really enjoyed was the candidness, just the, there was really um, a sense of being there and uh, during this whole event, as you guys are going about your business, people are talking about trail cameras and placement and this and that, and they're talking about going down to the site. And it was just really refreshing the way you have filmed it and what you were trying. I think I think I got what you're trying to get across. I think you kind of had a, a mission in your head, and I, I really it felt like I was there. I got to know the individuals and their little quirks and their thought process. So that was really refreshing. I enjoyed that. But Tate, uh, can you talk a little bit about who was involved during this? filming process, who was involved, and, you know, your experience working with these guys on, on your Bluff Creek project. So, like, who was involved besides who I was, like, interviewing, like, the Bluff Creek guys? Like, who else helped me, who helped yeah. worked on it or whatever? All, yeah, all of that. Um, I'd like to know who was behind the scenes, who was directly involved, like Jamie Wayne and Stephen Streifert, and, and uh, even your experience with Bob Gimlin. Uh, if you can give us the whole gamut from, from one end to the other. Yeah, so the the thing with the people involved, um, mainly it's been me doing everything, like filming, editing, you know, talking to everybody, talk, you know, getting the narration set up. I've been doing everything. I've had my friend Austin come with me a couple times to help get some extra footage, and that's really about it. He's done some footage here and there and stuff like that. As far as, like, behind the scenes, it's all me pretty much editing everything and compiling and emailing people and, you know, finding out what days work to do this and that for the film and what days don't. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it is a process in itself and editing the film and then going about my daily normal life outside this project. It's uh, It can be challenging sometimes. Not easy. We, we can relate a little bit to that because for the longest time when we did Monster X, we never edited anything. And uh, in the last, you know, <laughs> year or so we started to edit those shows and i can tell you that it's very time consuming just doing audio you know and editing it out long awkward pauses and that kind of stuff so i can't imagine doing (laughs) doing video for and and making it all flow and and that kind of stuff i mean it's much easier task to to do like a podcast than to create this documentary oh there's not too many I, for one, am glad that there's somebody else in, in in the Bigfoot community that's interested in doing some documentaries on subjects that are important to us as Bigfoot enthusiasts and Bigfoot researchers. You know, Seth Breedlove, of course, is the, the one that really comes to mind as the standard now because I, I have great props for, for what he does and, and the seriousness and the professionalism that he it brings to his his work exactly that's a yeah. High, yeah the bar is set high but again you've done this all on your own dime your own time and uh kudos to you for this this undertaking yeah that's and that's the perfect word for undertaking overwhelming is another overwhelming. good word for i would use yeah i like overwhelming better if <laughs> i bet I mean, was there was there any a time that you were just ready to kind of to toss it in and say, you know, this is just ain't worth it? Uh, no, not really. I never had that thought. I just kind of just stuck with it, you know. I'm like, 
if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's, that was my attitude about it. Yeah, I was determined not to, you know, give up. And it's like um, the whole thing with the Reigns' wife, you know, Holiday Reinhorn, this, like, probably a year or less before I even started filming anything. I was like, hey, I got this idea. If you are interested in Bigfoots and stuff like that, and they're both into the whole Bigfoot thing, which is really cool. And she ended up, you know, after a while, talking back and forth, trying to set it up, she eventually did the narration. We went to their house, and she did it. She enjoyed it, and she enjoyed the subject, too. So, you know, it's really nice. I don't use people at all. That's not my thing. I'm not the one, like, I'm not exploiting people. There you go. To get me uh, further or more fame. or that, That's not the thing. But it's <clears> nice <throat> for the Blood Creek guys so they get more recognition that way with yeah. people involved and who's involved and stuff like that. Right. Tate, so speaking of that, because you mentioned the name there, do you mind, because for the audience, they're not going to really know who, uh, possibly who that is. Do you, do you mind talking about who narrated it and who they're related to? Because I think it's kind of, it's really cool. And then I'd also like to talk about why you reached out to this individual. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Rain Wilson, uh, he plays Dwight Schrute on uh, NBC's The Office, and he was the drummer in the movie The Rocker. I reached out to his wife, Holiday Reinhorn, his actual wife and none of his character, you know, movie wife, his actual spouse. And they're really down to earth, nice people. And they're into the whole Bigfoot thing and they're doing a lot of things. And Holiday Reinhorn is a fictional uh, author and she's published a book. I I don't want to get the name wrong, but I think it's called Big Cats or something like that. I read it. It's pretty good. And so I recommend anybody read it. Uh, but yeah, she's been involved in I also told her, I was like, if she's, because she was very uh, intrigued about the idea, but she was asking, why why would you want me? I was like, well, if you're passionate about something and if you're showing interest in this project, then I think that's good and it'll come through in your reading or narrating too. And plus, I don't want like a typical British old guy narrating like you see on David Attenborough. Attenborough. Yeah, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm very familiar because I'm British. So. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want a British guy narrating like you see on those uh, safari TV shows of like uh, in the Sahara or talking about leaves or something like that or birds. <laughs> and no, she did. She did really good, and she did better than I thought. You know, better than I was expecting. And then I was really pleased and really happy. And the cool thing was, she did it for free, and I was really happy. She didn't have to about that. That's just how these, how nice these people are, you know. But they're also just people, and they're intrigued like us. Wow. And that's kind that's... of their way, I guess, of you know, giving it, giving, contributing to the whole mystery of Bigfoot is kind of what she, how she put it. You know that's what? Awesome. That's really, really impressive. Uh, well, first, you reaching out to her, and then her agreeing to do it, and then do to do it for free. That is so impressive. Man, I, I'm just I'm kind of floored by that that how everything happened. But you know what, goes to show, take and kudos to you for pursuing that and reaching out because you know you're you're going out on a limb. You don't know maybe they're going to turn you down, but you you pursued it and it was agreed upon and that's fantastic. Great job, man. So I guess yeah, you, you man, couldn't get Steve Carell. Yeah. So, <laughs> that'd be really. I don't know how it would turn out. There'd probably be like a bunch of that's what she says and stuff like that. Or, or uh, <laughs> maybe a Kelly Clarkson. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. 
So what does Steve Carell think about Bigfoot? That's that's what the audience really wants to know. Oh, no, you have to ask him. (laughs) (laughs) You have to ask him yourself. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I would, but, you know, we'll have to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I talk to him, I'll let you know. I know Steve Carell listens to to Monster X, as does, uh, you know, people like Tiger Woods and and President Trump, all kinds of people. No, oh, I don't think so. Right. Probably not. God, he, all right, yeah. that was Bill a funny Gates. Joke. Bill Gates. Does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, well, you know, uh, he probably does. Yeah. He probably Will does. Will Yeah. You, you, here's the thing. What's really cool about what we do is you just never know who's listening. We have, you know, listeners from around the world, you know, in all sorts, of, all sorts of pedigrees, all sorts of careers. You know, we have – I know for a fact we have certain zoologists that listen to this show and just all sorts of backgrounds. It's really, it's really awesome. And I hope that uh, once your, uh, your film's public, uh, that a lot of these individuals go back and uh, look at your film here. Because as you uh, stated before the show, I'm kind of, once again, floored. When people put the time and effort and everything into this, they, they charge a little something for the film. This is going to be free to the public. Am I, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to mention Sorry, that uh, in a second. Yeah, it's going to be free and it's going to be on YouTube. And for a lot of reasons, I'm using some music and I'm getting, you know, trying. I'm in the process of trying to get the rights to use it. But I told them, like, there was this one band I really wanted to use. I was like, hey, I want to use this song for this and that, but I'm not selling it. Nothing's going to be free, and I was wondering if I can just use it. And so I think they're going to let me use it. And then being with Bob Gimlin at the film site, I know Russ has a thing with, you know, he's working with Bob closely and stuff like that. And so I was really fortunate to get an interview with Bob, thanks to Russ, Russ Accord and Bob Gimlin. But I told him, he's like, I'm going to, I want to use this in my film. I don't want to interview like or interfere with yours. Cause you know, he's got a lot of cool stuff that the public hasn't seen yet. Like I do. Right. And uh, right. what I was saying is like, and that's another reason it's free. Cause I'm not trying to make a profit on Bob, you know, at all. That's not what I'm doing. Bob Gimlin's a very sought-out individual, and I'm really stoked that he he sat down with you. What was your experience with Bob Gimlin, and how much time did you actually spend with him filming? I'm sure it wasn't your first time being around Bob, but you actually got to sit down with Bob. So what was your experience with Bob, and how long were you guys actually – how big of a part does he play in your film? He plays a very short part. Bob Gimlin's always a great guy. You know, if if you ever get the chance to meet him, if you haven't yet, super nice guy. You know, and he was really cool for doing it, too, and he was up for it. And uh, I got at least, like, five minutes of him, you know, recapping that historic day on Bluff Creek. And so I edited it down to probably about two minutes, you know, just to kind of give the full, just that first part of the, you know, the main part of the story of the sighting. And he did that, and it was really cool being there with him at the site. And I had him stand right in front of the big tree that you see in frame 352, and which I don't think a lot of people are going to know that, but now you do when they see the film. You heard it first here on Monster X Radio. <laughs> <laughs> so it's exciting. Um, he plays a very small part, and he's at the. I don't want to say where he's at in the film because I don't. I think the anticipation yeah. for people who like Bob, it'll be nice. But it's a only a two minute part. Yeah, Tate. What about individuals like Robert Leiterman? You know, what kind of role does he play in the film, and what kind of role does say Jamie Wayne, some of these other guys that are part of the Bluff Creek Project research and whatnot? What what kind of roles do they play in it? I mean, it was more like throughout the most the whole film, it's mainly Robert that you know is kind of. And if you guys know the Bluff Creek guys like you do, you know Robert's kind of a talker, and which I like, and he has like a ton of information on the site. 
And so I kind of had him explain everything and how they found everything. And he was showing a bunch of old photos and all of that and kind of showing how he did this and how they did that and find, lining up everything. And so that was Robert's, you know, kind of role. And that was, you know, he played the biggest part in the film. And then Jamie kind of just kind of, kind of sets the tone, I guess, you know, just explaining who they are and what they're doing at the site. And so that's kind of where Jamie plays. And uh, Steven's in it, but there's no interview or audio of Steven. He is mentioned in it. And there's like 30 seconds or less video clip of him in it. And so that's a very small number of people that's actually going to be talking in the film. Jamie Wayne, Robert, and maybe Rowdy Kelly, which are all members How- of the Buck Creek, or Buck Creek Project. Right. And how long is this film? How long is it from start to finish? Um, Around the 20-minute mark. 20, okay, 21 so, minutes. Well, yeah, so relatively short. And, you know, people are like, only 20-some-odd minutes? I have a feeling people are going to be like, well, we want more. I know I did. I wanted more. I want uh, part part due, part two, you know? Yeah. And I think that's another reason. I think if it's there's just so much information to go over. I mean, the Buck Creek guys did that on YouTube, and they put out, like, I don't know how many videos. And each video is, like, 30 minutes long. But I just kind of narrowed it down for everything that they're doing to, like, 20 minutes or tried, the, you know, the best I could with a bunch of information like that. Plus, the attention span of people nowadays is kind of limited. <laughs> I was reading something. What did you say? No, I'm just <laughs> exactly. Kidding. No, I bet it is. But it is. <laughs> people have the attention span up in that. So. <laughs> yeah. Shock and, and so, awe. They and want the shock and awe. Exactly. And I think it's cool, too, because like a lot of videos I see on YouTube are about the ones that, if you're really interested in, are about 20 minutes long. It's not really longer than that. A lot of like famous vloggers will have 20-minute videos and people watch it. So I think that's right. about the right time to watch something, even with videos, if you're, you know. But yeah, then again, I, I this don't... film is not the most exciting film. I don't disagree with you there. So, Tate, how many times have you been actually down to the Bluff Creek site? Pro, oh God, I'm losing track now. Probably about 12 times, maybe. Yeah, because I try to go up there twice a year. So mm-hmm. I don't know how many, probably three or four years I've been going up there now, and twice, going up there twice back and forth, making that right. 12-hour drive. Oh, that's the other thing. You're saying how many times I've been um, up there, and three years for filming that. You know, going back up. That's funny. That's funny to me how you can you can film for a couple of days. You know driving back and forth, which is only going to be seen 20 minutes worth by people. Yeah, I mean, it's how much footage you actually have to film to to create the final product. Yeah, exa- you know, exactly. And we were talking earlier uh, before the show, and then I'm not the most, in, you know, I am enthusiastic, but I'm kind of shy or quiet. So, you know, most most people who are passionate are, like, really talkative, but... And I just come, it's a different thing I do, I guess. I'm a weirdo. Right. You're in good company because we're all weird because we look for Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm already weird enough as it is and looking for Bigfoot yeah. ice and all that case. Date. Oh, the last name, too. Uh, I guess that doesn't help. Yeah, right. You're already, you're kind of, you kind of stuck there. But Tate, can you describe, because you've been out there. I mean, you've been out there a lot, uh, and more than I would m- imagine a lot of people, obviously. But can you describe your first time going into that area? But did you have certain expectations when you first were going down there for the first time? And did you have like a kind of aha moment or a moment where you were just like, wow, this is awesome. I'm, I'm here standing where this film was filmed. 
Yeah, that's the funny thing. Uh, the very first two times I've actually been up near the site, I couldn't find it because I didn't have the guide with me. But when, yeah, when I first actually got to the site, uh, it was more of a surreal moment. Like, this is like the place that it happened. I wasn't expecting it to be as overgrown as it was, but it definitely was. It definitely does not look the same. So if you're, if like anybody is going down there to expect to see all the, the one thing I was hoping to see would be the giant log that you see in the film. Sadly, that wasn't there. And so, but just being there was amazing, you know. It's kind of, there's like a, I don't like the word or term energy, but there kind of was, you know. Something you can't describe, I guess. No, I, I get it, absolutely. It It is just one of those moments that you're like, wow, I'm here. You know, because I'm very much a fan of the film. I do believe it to be real. Uh, I do believe a Sasquatch was filmed. But just to be there because, you know, that's still to this date the best film out there. And then to be involved with a project such as yours filming it, I think I'm really stoked that you took the time and the effort to document and film the area, the people involved. I think that one of those things that I can't wait to see the finished product. Like I said, when I was watching your rough draft that you had sent me a while back, it felt like I was there and I was a part of the the whole experience and I really appreciated that. Yeah, it's very it's very raw. <laughs> kind of yeah, well, Tate, I just, which I kind of like. I, I like that raw. I just want to say it better be good. <laughs> better I, be good. Yeah. I, I better like it, or I will find you. I have a particular set of skills, and I will find you. Are you sure I don't have? The, oh, <laughs> oh no. I don't know, man. I'm 25, man. I can't do that. I can't die. <laughs> so. So besides, what are you doing with the Bigfoot-related, other than the uh, immense amount of time and effort that you've put into creating a documentary about the Bluff Creek Project, what else do you do that's associated with Bigfoot? You're kind of also an Um, active field researcher. Yeah, I go out looking in the field uh, over in Ventura County in the bottoms where I live, kind of in between Santa Clarita, California, and Bakersfield. There's a nice mountain range that I go to over there, and, and that's kind of where I'm you know, I work every day washing windows, and I'm busy with my church. But when I'm not doing those things, I'm either out in the mountains looking for them, looking for Bigfoots. You know, and it's it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of gas money and time and energy. Right, so it's worth it. Are, are, you never know. Are there big re- reports from that area? I mean, I'm familiar with some. I used to be a Californian myself. But are there any reports there's, that there's few, uh, yeah. reports or any any reports that stick out in your mind that you could share? Uh, not in my area, no. The a big area that gets more reports than my area is actually Big Bear over, I think it is Big Bear, kind of behind Los Angeles up in those mountains, the San Bernardino mountain range. I yeah, guess a lot of reports there, that yeah. happen over there. I haven't, I I haven't been there yet, but it's so yeah. close. I need to go and check it out. Yeah, I've been there, um, and I didn't see Bigfoot, so I don't think there probably is any there. So funny, yeah, I've had encounters <laughs> with them out there, though. That's weird. I've had encounters with them though, out there. First yeah, time I ever got a video one was that, uh, there. I was with Bobo and this guy Robert Staten and then me. And we were doing some whoops. And, you know, I'm willing to admit I'm wrong if it is not Woodnox, but I'm pretty sure we got a return knock on one of the audio recordings that I got, and I can make that public so people can listen and decide for themselves, you know. Well, quite honestly, that I'm very familiar with the Big Barrier. I used to not only do some research in that area, but I used to – ski and snowboard in that area so i know it well it was one of my go-to areas you know between i lived in san diego 
but I would always travel north. I go to Big Bear, the Sierras, Yosemite, the whole San Bernardino, Los Angeles, a mountain uh, national forest, Cleveland National Forest. So there are, and there were reports down in those areas. Some some were very historic, uh, you know, older reports, and that's why I would follow up on. But there were there's still, especially in the Sierras, even in the Big Bear area, Bishop, that whole area. There, there's actually a lot of reports from that area, and it stands to reason because once you get outside of suburbia there's a lot of mountain range it's beautiful country up north with lots of openness i mean you got lakes you got uh, food sources so it doesn't surprise me to be reporting those areas and given the fact that i believe the patterson gimlin film to be real you know adds credence to sasquatch being in those areas yeah i mean and what's to say that they're not in those areas i mean you see beer or beer i'm thinking uh you know i'm thinking about my drinks right now you see bear and deer all the time there in mountain lions. Why would you not see Bigfoots down there, which are roughly about the same size as, like, bears sometimes? So it's not that far-fetched. And like you said, there's a lot of uh, open areas and lakes, and there's a lot of tree coverage, which a lot of people really don't know. You know, people don't get outdoors much. So when you say Bigfoots, they think you're crazy. When you say Bigfoots near Los Angeles, they think you're even more crazier. Right, exactly. Which is, was, which is uh, okay with me. It's okay with me. In, in fact, it's actually nice because I, my time down span California, I, I don't think I ever bumped into, and this was prior to finding Bigfoot. There's a lot more um, so-called researchers and more people involved in this subject matter now. They're getting out in the woods. Back then, there wasn't a whole lot of individuals. There, there were some, and some doing it a lot longer than I was doing it, but there was a, a bit of an isolation. You know, I felt like a, a one-man band doing what I was doing down there. I didn't know anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I just did my thing. But I was always, I mean, I was always compelled to go north from San Diego, always compelled because I get out into places like Yosemite, which was my old stomping grounds, and it was about an 11- to 12-hour drive for me. So I didn't get out there super often, but when I went, I'd spend a lot of time out there hiking, getting off trail, talking to people. But the, the vastness and the beauty and the natural resources available, there is absolutely no reason that uh, there, there couldn't be Sasquatch out there. I, I personally never yeah. had. Yeah, I personally never had an experience in California. I talked to some interesting witnesses, including one park ranger, but I never uh, found anything compelling. But it's, as Gunner always says, it's a moving needle in a haystack. So it didn't surprise me. But uh, can I quote you on that, Shane? That's a brilliant statement. Can I use that? <laughs> <laughs> I like that quote too. I think you should let him use it. I have uh, trademarked it now, and, and anytime somebody says it, they owe me a quarter, so. I better not say it. I can't yeah. say it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, you yeah, that's, the, that's the very first time I found tracks out there was, you know, not San Bernardino, but out in Lebec, Fraser Park by, you know, Ventura County Mountain Range. Yeah, that was the very first time I ever found tracks was out there. Which blew my mind to be seeing one in person. Like, there's no way. Because I don't think, I wasn't expecting to see anything being in Southern California. Like, nah, probably nothing. But no, they're they're for sure there. And yeah, people I, have seen them out there and stuff. I have no doubt. I mean, have you, it, well, it, it is and it is. But I mean, well, I guess in that area, possibly. You know, I used to do a lot of work out in the Mojave Desert, uh, Tehachapi, California City, Antelope Valley. And there was always reports of the, the well, even Josh Tree National Park, the stick man or the desert man. A lot of the people I spoke with were very credible, and they saw what they saw. But uh, even in those areas, 
relatively speaking, you're not too far away from some mountain ranges that get snow and they have tree cover. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, your lack of water source down below. But if something like a Sasquatch is there, they can move back and forth pretty quick, I would imagine. Pretty, Maybe, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me I mean, me too, like I, like I was saying, if you if you ever, like, see bears in that area, then why not consider the idea of Bigfoot being there? Because they, they eat pretty much the same thing. And so it's like, yeah, man, if something exactly. this big is here, there's going to be some serious food and water around. In fact, a funny story, when I was living down in San Diego, I was living, actually lived in a town called Ramona outside of, uh, of uh, East County, San Diego, and there was a, re- a report of a bear, I believe it was Alpine area, and they couldn't figure out, and it, it was true, there was a bear out there, and they couldn't figure out how this bear, it also came down through like the San Bernardino Mountains, uh, it came down south from there, but they couldn't figure out how it managed to get to this area without being seen, without w- with crossing freeways and everything else, they couldn't figure out how it got down there, but it was there, and it took a long time to catch up with it, but it was proven it was a bear and people were seeing a bear yeah it was amazing to, to see that uh, it had managed to make its way all the way down there and not have, have been even, caught or seen beforehand yeah i don't know how you do that well you're and talking about animal, a bear it's be pretty smart yeah, yeah. it's pretty smart it's, it's just and uh, it, well it's amazing what people miss and imagine uh, something like a sasquatch I, I don't think they would have any issue especially if they're moving around uh, predominantly say at night you know, I don't think they have any issue yeah. doing that. <laughs> so, but no. Tate, no, right, exactly, exactly. But Tate, you're involved with the BFRO. Are you partaking in some of their uh, public expeditions? Do you have anything, any plans down the road here working with BFRO uh, in places that you're going out? Uh, no, I'm just kind of sticking around California. Um, I've only, I was on one expedition, and it was, I was recently new into the BFRO, and it was in Southern California. Matt Moneymaker was the leader of that expedition, actually. And that's the only expedition I've been on. But I don't, for now, I don't have any plans to go on any other expeditions and stuff. But it'd be nice. I, yeah, just for now, just kind of finishing up everything and want to get this done before I take on more stuff like that. I, no, part I understand. It, what about uh, money? Yeah, I mean, of course, that's what every researcher struggles with is the money aspect because nobody's getting paid to do this. It's out of your own pockets. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, and, and, and of course, well, you got both aspects there. You're not only researching and everything comes out of your own pocket and you have to drive long distances and gas money, but you're putting this film together out of your pocket, taking time to edit it and go to these places. So, yeah, I could see you being pretty broke. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not – I don't have any money like you would think. Because that's one thing I wonder is, like, how do these people make this film? I wonder how much that costs. I'm going right. to tell you right now, this costs whatever I made that week from washing windows. <laughs> Well, man, you are. Uh, I admire you and your ambitions. What about down the road here? So you got the, you got this film kind of wrapped up, you know, in your pocket under your belt. Do you have ambitions to do a follow up at Bluff Creek, or do you got some other ideas as to what you may want to put out there down the road as far as filming? Uh, maybe. Uh, I'm working. I'm gonna start trying to think of an idea on a short film that's not related to Bigfoot, but it is, you know, just another short film. I don't I'm trying to think of the word, but yeah. So we'll see how that goes. As far as Bigfoot stuff goes after the film, I'm starting work on a new TV show for, uh, that Matt Moneymaker is going to be hosting, which hopefully is going to be start filming soon. That's the goal anyway. Okay, I awesome. Can to, you... I don't think I want to say more than that. Right. Yeah, it's called gonna... Native Giants. Native Giants. Yeah, yeah that seems to stuff yeah, that's not on a the web. Secret. Yeah. You're right. I, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's not a big trouble. secret. You're not giving away any. 
anything that people listening to Monster X have already heard. <laughs> Probably, who knows? I think it's yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm doing associate producing, which I've never done a job like that. But it will be a lot of fun, and you know, I'll get to travel to these places and get to see it firsthand, which I'm also really excited about. And so it's kind of that'll be nice. Do some more research in other areas I haven't been before. Fantastic. Well, Which, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. That's cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I can't wait. <laughs> well, Tate, anything so we'll else you would we'll like? Uh, we're, Tate, we're about at the end of the show here. Anything else you want to share with the audience? What do you want people to get out of your film? Um, just, you know, my I want people to, you know, realize that there's a lot more hard work involved than people think, you know. And it's not easy what these guys do. And if you you guys have been to the site, you know how hard it is to get there. And you're bushwhacking through everything. And so mainly I just kind of want these guys to, you know, get recognition for their hard work and then be able to see, you know, how tough it is out there and what's really involved. And it's kind of almost like a behind the scenes of what they're doing, which is kind of neat. And, Fantastic. Uh, that's That's kind of what I want people to get from it. And yeah, okay. uh, the film will be on YouTube. You can check the Bluff Creek Project. We'll, we'll post up a link for it. Um, I'm sure you guys so, will too. And um, I yep, will. Absolutely. absolutely. So yeah, YouTube, will. it'll be free, which is going to be nice. And That's I'm cool. excited to see it with everybody. That'll be really fun. Very cool. Kate, is there, uh, yeah. we're, we're running up against the, the end of the show, but I, I do want to take the time to uh, thank you for joining us today, as well as my co-host mr shane hardcore corson here yeah. uh, <laughs> so i i want to remember remind people that if uh, you're interested in more monster x uh interviews and and shows you can go to our website www.monsterxradio.com and join our exclusive membership uh it's we're doing a bonus episode every week that's part of what you get, just a small portion of what you get. we got some ex- actually some exciting things coming up on some ongoing contact uh, investigations from different parts of the country, actually, from the East Coast all the way up to Washington. Uh, Shane and I are, are talking about uh, an outing here shortly that uh, will be shared only inside of Exclusive. So if you haven't signed up yet, uh, now is your time before you you miss out on, and uh, we're, we're planning some uh, live events inside of the, our Facebook group to uh, contact with our folks that are, we call them X's. If you join Exclusive, you are an X. So X marks the spot. Get in there if you haven't. You Right now you can get a, two, a free two-week trial of Exclusive when you sign up. We're having a lot of fun in there. We appreciate the folks that have have uh, chosen to entrust their Bigfoot uh, information sharing to us. We uh, are honored and and uh, appreciate every one of you. So Tate, again, thank you, buddy, for uh, joining us today for this bonus episode of Monster X. And uh, come join us back. We'll have actually have another Monster X show on Sunday. So thanks everybody for listening. Join us over at Exclusive for more Monster X goodness. Until next time, keep it squatchy. Keep looking for that moving needle.
thank you for joining Monster X Radio. 